Hey everyone, it's Brian with Wildcat Radio, and we tried something different. We did a live Facebook show from our Facebook feed, Wildcat Radio AZ. If you're not a member, definitely sign up. And we combined the shows of Saul, Brett, and Adam, and it turned out pretty good. One of the things to keep in mind was there were some audio items that you'll see throughout the show, but it was all in the name of science and experimentation. Uh, and overall, the, the audio quality is actually pretty good. But uh, stay tuned. If you haven't signed up for the Facebook feed, definitely do so. We'll probably do some fun stuff when the season starts. But wanted to make sure to continue to provide coverage of Arizona and all the stuff that's going to go throughout the offseason. So stay tuned. And in the meantime, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, hey, thanks everybody for joining us here on Wildcat Radio 2.0. We're uh, trying something a little bit different today. I got Brett Berry, Adam Green, and I'm Saul Bookman uh, joining us today. And uh, this should be uh, pretty fun. Uh, hey, first of all, I am so excited to join you two. It's been a while. Yeah, man. Yeah. Excited to be here. Are we joining you or are you joining us? How does this work? I don't, I don't really, I don't, I think we're all in our own houses. I think we're all joining each other all at the same time. It's just one big happy family. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so what have you guys been up to? You know, it's uh, it's been about two weeks since either one of us dropped a, a podcast. It's been eerie out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's just kind of fill us in on what everybody's been up to. Uh, sure. I've been uh, working from home, my day job, for a couple of weeks and uh, staying at home with a fiance and the, the kitten we have. So that's been a little bit of a not – not too bad so far as all the things – all the potential situations could go, but – it's definitely a little hard. Uh, it's hard to not be uh, watching sports right now. But on the plus side, for the first time in a while, I know with certainty that U of A will not lose to Wisconsin on my birthday coming up this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure those weren't good birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least I had drinks. <laughs> yeah, nay, that's all that matters. Adam? Uh, you know, similar. I've been, this is actually my third straight week working from home from my day job, and I will say the first week was with the Pac-12 tournament. I remember thinking, all right, I could get used to this, watch the NCAA tournament at home, and then to worry about being in the office. And then, of course, we all know what happened there. But otherwise, it's week three for me at home, week two for the fiancé, and we're here with the dog and just making the best of a situation that none of us were predicting or expecting, and yet we got to get through one way or another. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't been uh... – the greatest of situations, but you know what? A little bit of extra time at home isn't isn't bad for I'm sure all of us because of our busy lives. And I think uh, it's yeah. probably a good time for the whole nation to kind of reset and kind of, you know, refocus on the priorities that really lie ahead, which are your family and your friends. You know, so can't be the worst thing in the world. I'll say that. Uh, well, I mean, hey, let's get to it. You know, Arizona has been kind of uh, out there, and they've uh, their season ended about two weeks ago tomorrow. And uh, I was actually there in Vegas, which was kind of surreal in the first place. But I got—I know some of us were, were were planning on making the trip out there. And when I—I'll I'll say this: when I was in the airport, I said I should probably not go to this, but something was telling me let's let's just go. As soon as I got off the airport, I started walking. I could just feel it in Vegas. Like there just wasn't anybody there. 
And uh, that's when I knew, uh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, what could have been for the Wildcats at this point, we don't know. But, uh, you know, based off of the way they finished the season and then beating Washington in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, Adam, let's start with you. What do you, what do you think could have been for the, this Arizona Wildcats team? It's so hard. Like, I wrote a column for AZ Desert Swarm last week or – I think it was last week. I kind of lose track of days at this point when was when things are happening. But it was kind of we went into like Brett and I, and I know your show too. We all talked about this team. All that mattered was the NCAA tournament, but that's how you would judge them. And the problem for me to even say what could have been is like, do I think they would have won the Pac-12 tournament? No, I could have seen them beating USC and then maybe losing to Oregon on Friday. And I think most of us would have accepted that. But in terms of like where they could have gone in the NCAA tournament. It would have been purely matchup based. And because we all watched this team, they were plenty talented enough to beat pretty much anyone, but there were certain styles of opponents that seemed to give them trouble. And depending on how their bracket shook out, like I've seen the simulations that people have done, I've seen Arizona getting as far as like the Sweet 16 and some of them bounced in the second round. <laughs> I mean, like it's just, it's hard to say because their, their range was basically first round exit and final four. And we're not going to be able to say where they – I mean, I can't say anywhere where I think they would have landed without knowing what their bracket would have looked like. That's a bit of a cop-out answer, but that's just- – <laughs> <laughs> It's the truth, though. season long, and we never got a chance to see exactly where they would end up. Hey, Adam, at least we're consistent. All season long, we've had uh, the same kind of – you know, the range hasn't changed. The floor hasn't changed. The ceiling hasn't changed with this team all year, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hard when you get into March and you don't know exactly – what that team looks like. And I think you're right. It does depend on the matchup. Um, Cause I've, I was looking at some of the projections and, you know, even the difference between being a seven seed or a eight seed or a six seed and how it would have played out, depending on how the PAC 12 tournament and other, other things would have shaken out would have very much fundamentally shifted what my perception would have been, you know, a second round matchup versus San Diego state, you know, they're a great team, but I think that's winnable if it's in the West bracket, you know, and Arizona travels well, you know, a second round matchup. Is it against, though? Well, is it though? A lot of people would have said Washington was winnable in the last game of the season too. But yeah. Well, yeah. When you look at roster, like up and down the roster, just on paper, few teams or few opponents would have scared you. At least not. I don't think San Diego State would have. Like they were consistent. They were good. They were, they deserved to be the higher seat by far. But if Arizona played as well as they could, there were few teams that would beat them on talent alone. And, of course, to say if Arizona played as well as they could, like that's when did that happen, right, for 40 minutes? It was – I don't know if it ever did. That Colorado but, game. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but so that's why they were so hard to project. It's, it's easy to say one and done because we've seen them play bad. But even then, like their worst they had with the two eggs. They were at Oregon State and home against UCLA with the two real duds that they played. The rest of their losses were close games that you could argue they should have won probably three-fourths of them. They, they didn't. They proved they weren't great in those situations, but it's like if they could have flipped that switch, they could have gone on a run. And maybe if they would have got to like a Kansas or someone like that, they, the talent wouldn't be able to carry them. But I don't know how you feel, Saul, about them, but it's like talent-wise, it's hard to doubt that they had enough. Just Did they have that extra that you need to make that deep run? And we never got a chance to see if they did or not. No, I, I totally agree. You know, I think that's the one thing, that's the one takeaway from this team is that 
they were consistent and being inconsistent. You know, it, it just you just never knew what you're going to get from this team night in and night out. Part of that is because of the freshmen. Part of that is because of the the lack of high caliber senior and junior that you had on the team as well. You know, Dylan Smith, he was just as Jekyll and Hyde as the rest of the team. You know, you never knew what Dylan Smith was going to show up. He had some big time shots in some games, and then he made some bad errors in others. You know, you, you think about coming down the stretch against Oregon up at Oregon. He had a he had a big time three over there on the sideline, and then. <laughs> You look at the UCLA game at UCLA, and he just steps out of bounds. Like, so you just never knew where you're going to get from this team. You never knew where you're going to get from him, and uh, I think that kind of speaks to the to the inconsistency. And I also think that this is something we need to talk about. It also lends itself. It kind of it's kind of a microcosm of the Sean Miller era, really, in the last three or four years. The inconsistency. You never knew what you're going to get. The last good team I feel like he really had, where you knew pretty much where you're going to get on a day in day out basis was the Laurie marketing team. Even with the Deandre Aiden team, you just never knew from one game to the next, like, okay, well we know who they should get the ball to, but could they, you didn't know Al- Al- Alonzo tree, where you going to get the good Alonzo tree or where are you going to get the bad Alonzo tree, you know, you up and down. And I think that's not carried forward really these next years. Um, oh, I, I'm going to ask you guys this. What do we think? What happened in the NCAA tournament? Well, give me your prediction as what you thought was going to happen. Uh, I'll start with that. I think uh, I think this team was going to go as far as Nico Mannion was going to carry him. Right? Um, you know, it's it's kind of is that I, a first I, round exit or is that the final four? In the in the true most frustrating sense of not knowing what this team was or is. I'm going to go with they would have made it to the Sweet 16 barely and then competitively lost in the Sweet 16 against an average team. And you say, all right, like they'll beat a good team to get to the Sweet 16 and then lose to a team they shouldn't have lost to in the in, in the Sweet 16. Part of what makes it so difficult for me is if Arizona had gone and won a couple games in Vegas, like maybe they were poised to, you'd feel a lot better about them going into the NCAA tournament. So the idea that... They could have been bouncing the Sweet 16. Brett's thought that made total sense to me because I could have seen that. You know, I, I could have seen them losing at any point in the tournament, but they were. Was the game against Washington in Vegas, was that the sign of them figuring it out? Because we've seen, we had how many games this season we thought maybe that was the game where they figured it out and they proved to have not. So if, if they were just going to revert back to their inconsistent selves, you know, a couple up, a couple down, then they were going to get bounced in the first weekend. And that wouldn't have surprised me at all. But if they would have won, we'll say, three games, what they beat USC, then maybe they beat Oregon because they should have beat Oregon twice already this season. You know, if they get to the Pac-12 tournament final and no matter what happens there, you'd probably feel pretty good about them going into the NCAA tournament. Their seed would be a little bit better. They'd have, what, 23 wins at that point? And you're like, okay, maybe they found something. But we never got to see if they could. So based purely off of what we saw, Anything anyone predicting a deep run would be sadly misguided because you did we never got a chance to see that consistency from them. So I guess based on the knowledge we have, I would say at best a sweet 16 loss, but most likely getting bounced in the first weekend. But I'm not confident in saying that because I know how much talent there was on this team. And I knew what we've all seen them play really well this season against some good teams. And we saw them they again, they should have beat Oregon twice, and Oregon was a pretty damn good basketball team. So you know, their their ceiling was still so incredibly high, but their floor was so incredibly low, as Brett said earlier. And so I guess knowing that to predict anything more than a Sweet 16, that wouldn't be smart. 
Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. I, I, I actually think it's uh, my prediction. It was is completely based ironically enough on the Washington game. The last one, the one that they did win. I just saw the same things that I, that, that were apparent all season long, not being able to hold on to a lead, you know, uh, making poor decisions at the wrong times. And as, as I was watching that game unfold, if they had another five minutes in that game, I wouldn't have been shocked if, if Washington came back and won that game. The only problem with Washington is they have NBA talent, much like Arizona does. It's just they mm-hmm. are wildly even more inconsistent, and they didn't really understand what they could do individually outside of you know throwing the ball down low to Isaiah Stewart. You know Isaiah Stewart was a beast. Outside of that, it was inconsistency all over the place. Jaden McDaniels didn't have an idea what the hell he was supposed to be doing out there, and I thought he was probably their best athlete on the court. He just didn't know it. And he didn't know what to do with it. And I think with Arizona, they were so inconsistent. And watching them play, I just I couldn't imagine a, a scenario where they got out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So my prediction is much as, the same as yours, Adam. Or I just don't. I if they would have made the Sweet 16, it would have been borderline miracle for me because I just didn't see it. Well, can I, would that have made a successful season for you? What making the if Sweet 16? If they would have got out of the first weekend, do you think that would have been like, you know what? All right. they Because then they're, what, one of the top 16 teams in the country in theory, if you want to look at it that way. Like, if they got that far, are you saying, hey, you know what? This team this didn't, this didn't, team did all right, ultimately. Well, I think, I think as you go along in the season, you kind of have to recalibrate what the talent level is, what this team really is all about. And when you base it on the inconsistency that they showed game in and game out – Hell yeah, a sweet 16. That's a win right there, baby. Hang the banner. <laughs> That's it, man. Put it up. Hey, on the video board, how many sweet 16s do we got now? Yeah, add another one. Here we go. You know, so. Do your guys' uh, projections change if uh, the seniors that missed the last couple of games come back? No. Or does it not change? No, it doesn't change at all. I know everybody was clamoring you know, for a Max Hazard to get more playing time or whatever the situation was with him down there, uh, you know, and Chase Jeter maybe getting more spot minutes or whatever. But honestly, their bread was buttered with Christian Coloco playing a lot more. They, he should have played a lot more all season. I don't agree. Hashtag Coloco nuts. <laughs> I, I don't understand why that kid didn't play, you know, at least five five more minutes per game on average for the, for the whole season. You could see the raw ability he had, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and so, no, Max Hazard would have given you a couple more threes. If he if he got hot like he did with UC Irvine, then maybe it is different. But he wasn't getting the ball, and he wasn't shooting the mu- as much as he did when he was over there. So it's a completely different dynamic. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think Chase Jeter is a difference maker, but I do think that Max Hazard could have won you a game by getting hot once in the tournament. But did we ever figure out what the deal was with Hazard too? Because that seemed just strange all of a sudden. To miss the, maybe people know we're not going to break any news here. But you know, to, uh, but when you're wanting someone to be that guy off the bench, like did Hazard prove he could be that player who get hot? I think there was one game in the, during the season. I forget who it was that they beat. It might have been Colorado, where he just played well, made like five threes or something. But other than was, that, it was Colorado. Was it was Colorado. all season. And I don't know if his role was part of the reason why he ended up not finishing this season on the floor with the team, but whatever it was, we would have been expecting something of him, of Chase Jeter, of these seniors that they didn't prove they could give all season long. And, you know, do I think either one would have been a difference maker? Yeah. If they were themselves, because Jeter was a pretty good player last season and hazard. We knew what he did at Irvine. Like these guys were not bad players yet. For some reason this season, they weren't good players either. So 
I would have looked at them and say they would have been difference makers because yeah, at their peak, at their best, sure. I but, I have yeah. a I have a theory to go along with what you said, Adam, about you know these players that we thought maybe would have been able to contribute a little bit more than they did, but they really didn't. And much much like every Arizona player, pretty much ever, except for like maybe Will Bynum, uh, <laughs> that left the program and did better. Um, every U of A player that's ever left the program has actually not done as well, right? I, I can't even think of another one besides Will Bynum recently. Um, you know, I, I oh, think who for, was the guy? Justin Simon. He did pretty uh, well. Momo Jones. Yeah, Momo, but, Momo Jones did okay. You know, but, but he didn't go to, but, but they both didn't go to like another premier program. Right? No. Chase Jeter no. left a premier program in Duke and he came to us. Like, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of getting scraps from Duke. And I know that we were trying to go after him in the first place. He comes, he gave us solid minutes at the beginning of last year. And then after that, it just kind of went downhill and he didn't really give you much after that. You know? I think, I think the problem with Chase Jeter and Adam and I talked about it over the season is when Zeke Najee emerged as your best, like offensive threat in the post or in the high post, Chase Jeter's value add is as a back to the back, you know, offensive player is completely negated because you'd rather have the ball in Zeke Najee's hand hundred times out of hundred over Chase Cheater. And Absolutely. so he's a guy without a role when you have the emergence of Zeke Naji, which is why, you know, it made more sense to have more minutes for Coloco where he can just take double teams and dunk it and add some defensive value. But, you know, he his role kinda got people people wonder if Coloco should have taken his minutes or whoever, but like I think the real thing story of the season in terms of post position is that Zeke Naji stole Chase Cheater's role, which meant his success and minutes went with it absolutely no i mean this team by and large was a representation of chris or chase jeter right just up <laughs> and down and up and down and then all of a sudden it doesn't exist and guess what the wildcats don't exist anymore right now because of other circumstances and so let's move on to the arizona women uh hey the who, real quick salt real quick salt yeah, go when ahead, was go the ahead. Last, when was the last time we can uh, enjoy an Arizona men's basketball team that won its last game of the season. Right. Uh, I mean, it's been a long we'll finally time. Finally did it. Is it 97? <laughs> hey, hey, now all those people that say, hey, this reminds me of 97. They, they're finally right. Hey, guys, in today's day and age, uh, the police and the fire department are as valuable as ever, and we don't want to waste their time doing other things, especially responding to um, – burglar alarms that may not really be legit you know sometimes you leave a door open and the, the uh, you know the siren goes off or what have you you know every night local police departments across america receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms and the vast majority of the time they have no idea whether the alarm is real that is a fact and if there's a break-in you should be using simply safe because simply safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness count of the crime it's that simple that means police dispatch up to 350 percent faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras, and doorbell alerts to anyone approaching your home. So entry, motion, glass break-in, sensors, uh, it's a guard inside. So, you know, and plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24-hour monitoring uh, by a live security professional. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic service, you know. You can set up your system yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash overtime, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free uh, risk trial. I mean, you can't lose, right? You get two months to try it out. You've got nothing to lose. You go now. 
And be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. <laughs> so, um, no, no, the Arizona women uh, talk about two ends of the spectrum, right? We have this wildly inconsistent team and really a team that did the most with what they had this year. I don't think anybody could have predicted that this team was going to be a top 15 team for a large part of the season. Uh, Ari McDonald actually doing – sorry, those are my dogs. They got excited because uh, the, the fiance's <laughs> home. Uh, but I don't think anybody could have predicted that Ari McDonald was going to be on the national stage to the degree that she was this year and really take this program to another level. A lot of kudos go around. Uh, what do you think about this Arizona women's basketball team when you look back in the entirety of the season? You know what's exciting to me, and we kind of saw this in the men's program early in Miller's tenure, but last year Arizona wins the NIT. And you're like, okay, can they build on that? And they did. And maybe it's in part because they got most of the team back, which doesn't always happen in the men's game. But it was great to see that because you this season we saw the program really – like the seeds were planted a couple of years ago. We got to see that that plant start to you know bloom and flower and all that because – they were good. I mean, they were a really good basketball team. And while I'm disappointed that, like, we don't get to see the men to see what they could have done, because, like, oh, maybe they could have done something good in the tournament, the women, they would have. They would have made a deep run because that was a loaded roster that even some of the games they lost, they were close games and close losses. They were a really good basketball team that no one would have wanted to play in the tournament. And it's just disappointing for them, like, because – they deserve that chance to go forward, but still what they did this season, where they finished ranked 12th, yeah, I think 12th. in the AP poll, yeah. like that's like, they should have gotten back to the tournament for the first time in decades. Like that should have happened this season. Yes. But whereas there are some things to say, Oh, maybe they would have made the tournament bubble teams. This team was a tournament team. This team was a high seed. They would have hosted games at the McHale center and it would have been very special, but even still what they did this season was incredibly impressive. And I know, I can't think of a single Arizona fan who's not proud of what they did and excited for what they're going to do in the future. Yeah. Brett. Yeah. I, it's funny. I was actually commiserating with uh, some friends of mine who put like one of them played at San Diego state on the women's team. And I was explaining to her my frustration with the disappointment. I'm not going to watch this woman's team play. Uh, and of course she was commiserating because she was finally excited for the San Diego. State Sorry, I wasn't team. nodding my head at you and shaking my head at you. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and I, I find myself this just, you know, selfishly, I'm probably more disappointed because I was really excited to not, I was more disappointed to not get to watch this woman's team play in the March tournament because I was set up for disappointment for the men's team. <laughs> um, and so I was like, you know, I was, I was willing to accept my fate. Uh, the women's team, though, you know, they showed consistently over the season that they could outperform people's expectations and rise to the level of their competition, be competitive with anybody. You know, if I'm going to throw a prediction, my prediction for them was going to be they were going to make the Elite Eight and really give a good team a run for their money for a chance at the Final Four and lose a really close game and set themselves up for the future. You know, my understanding is they got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. You know, I think Harry McDonald's going to be gone, which is unfortunate. Maybe, but they, maybe, but they still have a lot of talent on that team, and they got a lot of talent coming in. And Nadia Barnes get that woman a raise. The fact that she is not national coach of the year is beyond. She wasn't even Pac-12 coach of the year. Yeah, hashtag yeah. Pac-12. What was that us. about? I mean, you, when you when you have Oregon in your conference and you have the best player in the country on your team, I mean, it, then you should be good. You should be good. But <laughs> Ari McDonald 
you could argue was the second best player in the, in the league, you know, and mm-hmm. she was the defensive player of the year. And uh, I mean, and to your point about the raise, uh, uh, calm down, everybody. She just got a raise after she won the <laughs> NIT championship. Okay. I've heard that several out. times. And I'm like, do you understand? She already got a raise, right? Like they, I think Dave Hickey realized like he has something really great with Adia Barnes. And I think the one thing that I love the most about what she has done is she is really, I'm thinking about the generation that she grew up in when she played at U of a, she was there during that 97 run. She was there during the, you know, the really golden years of Arizona basketball. She saw what that, what, what that was doing. And she was there during the golden era of Arizona women's basketball too, because the last time they made the sweet 16 was when she was there. And so I think she just kind of embodied that whole Lute Olsen, that that whole Tucson basketball, you know, vibe. And she goes out in the community since day one. She does she did autographs for she let she let the players stay after every single game and sign autographs. They set up tables and there was like five hundred people in in the crowd. Like, okay, but it's just that small little buy-in that she started to have with the with the community, um, that I think everybody really rallied behind. You saw it in the NIT championship. It's fantastic. And so, um, you know, I, I love to see see that continue. So as we move forward, we already said their prediction. I think that they would have made the Elite Eight. I think there's there wasn't a team in the country that would have, you know, surprised them outside of Oregon. As long as they didn't face Oregon again, I, you know, I would have been fine. But um, Oregon. You know, yeah, Oregon. Yeah, what are you going to do about Oregon, right? Um, what, what was your prediction? You think it was the Elite Eight? Hard to say that it would have been. Because unlike the men who I'm saying, oh, well, you know, I don't know what they would have done. This team had a high ceiling, and they continually met it. So, yeah, it, it's barring just a collapse of a, any kind of proportions or them having a really off night, off game, how do you not see them making it that far at least? You know, and possibly further because they did have – they had the right mentality. Like they said, they kept that nothing-to-lose mentality, that us-against-the-world where no one was expecting things from them, even though clearly they expected from themselves. But they seemed to play with a level of looseness which would have served them well in the tournament. So, you know, and they were led by veterans too. So it's, and I was excited to see how that, how far they would have gone because unlike the other side where we thought, oh, maybe they'll get far. This team, <laughs> definitely confident they would have made a run. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Adam, that they had this interesting dichotomy of confidence, but also like underdog mentality, which the men's team had somehow neither. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like it's hard to have one or the other. Easier to have one or the other. It's kind of hard to have both, uh, and that's where kind of the magic happens. And then there's like the men's team where it's the the frustration happens because they were both overly confident and not confident enough in themselves. Yeah, uh, coming on, stepping onto the court. Um, you know, you know, you, you know what's really interesting about Arizona is if Ari McDonald comes back, they're a top five team. They're a top five team, and they they would people would give them serious consideration to be a national championship for next year. I think and how right. long has Barnes been there now? Like she's a wildcat. When people say like they everybody wants a wildcat to be coaching their teams, right? Which like now nah, now nah, let's relax there. Just because you're a wildcat doesn't mean you're the right coach. But she's clearly the right coach and a wildcat through and through. I know she's been there. What like this three is years, her, this is her now? fourth year. This is her fourth, fourth year, year yeah. and. Like, there's no reason why Arizona, any program, should be down in basketball, especially. So she's done it quickly, but not just getting back to, like, yeah, the NIT last year was great, but clearly that wasn't <laughs> going forward this season for even greater things. And then, yeah, next season, if all things go the way, like, go Arizona's way, then they absolutely should be a top five team and a national championship contender, which is great. 
<laughs> like it's that's awesome. And it's happened. Yeah. It seems like it's happened quickly, but that's when you get the right coach and the right school together. And they clearly did that down there. Then you have the chance to make that magic happen. And we're seeing it happen. Like I look the building of it, the growth. Go ahead, Brett. I was going to say, I look forward to years from now when we have the men's parallel with head coach TJ McConnell having great success. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the other thing that makes me so excited about this women's team is it, it seems like it's way more sustainable than what the men are doing. Players that are in the program two, three, four years. You know, they're not, has been here for three years. You know, the first year was a red shirt and then she played two years. You know, uh, Kate Reese. A McDonald's All-American. Stop me if you've ever heard this on the men's program in the last 10 years. A McDonald's All-American sticking around for now going to be three years. You know what I mean? Like Alonzo Trier, I believe, is the last one to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just – I'm excited to see where they go. And hopefully good things are, are coming down the road for that program for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, good things – actually, no, not speaking of good things. We're going to transition to something that's not so good. This stupid FBI stuff that keeps <laughs> popping up. It's ugly head. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like uh, oh, they're supposed to get evicted or something, and it just it just is not a good way. Documentary HBO coming up uh, at the center of this whole thing, and you, you know, take it for what it's worth and how reliable you think he is. Uh, he has some very poignant things to say about Sean Miller, and uh, one of those being that he's a great actor. And he should win, a, uh, I think, he, I believe he said he, like, an Academy Award or an Emmy or something like that because it, Sean Miller saying, hey, give me $100,000 for DeAndre Aiden or anything like that. It's just, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of banter almost, you know, like we're not interested in that kid. He's going to LSU. He's going to take this money, whatever. But he never says Arizona needs this or I need this. What is your whole take on this, Adam? <laughs> it's until this until Arizona gets punished one way or another, right? And it's going to happen. We don't know the extent that it will be. But until that happens, or Sean Miller just resigns or gets fired, which, I mean, those two can be connected, right? If Arizona gets punished, that could be in the Miller. But the cloud's going to be there. It's lingering. And it's going to be something that Arizona fans, Arizona excerpts, and they're reporting on it. And, yeah, I mean, it's Dawkins saying a lot of things, Miller and them bantering. And if you take it from the angle that Sean Miller is dirty and cheating – then you'll interpret that as, yep, this is what someone who's dirty and cheating would say. But if you're also going to say, but is he on tape saying, you know, we paid this guy, we paid this money, or we paid that money, or we're willing to pay this much money? I assume no, because if he was, that tape probably gets played during the trials at some point. And if he does say that, then the whole documentary itself takes on a whole different face. Like, why would they have better tapes than the FBI used in court? So to say something or that he's innocent or did any, nothing wrong here but it's like that slow drip drip but is there anything new in this documentary right and probably not like it's like okay here we're going to hear sean miller say some things and not sound all professional right we're going to hear him talk like we do and we're talking off the air about the program or just anything with the language and all that but are we going to hear anything that's like oh no that's a smoking gun doesn't look like it. So, but, but do, do you think there could be the possibility? And I'm just playing devil's advocate. Do you think there could be the possibility that, sure, he says X, Y, and Z on paper, right? But the way he says it, or the, you know, the 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 tone at which he says it, is that going to matter at all? Depends on your perspective, like because it's you can't people assign tone or intent 
based on their their point of view. So like I said, like if you and you're not changing anyone's minds at this point either. If you think Sean Miller cheated, everything that comes out is just further evidence or more proof. Maybe it's circumstantial, but it's more evidence that, yep, he cheated. And if you don't think he cheated, then there's it's a nothing burger. There's nothing to see there. So I, I like I'm tired of it. And I know I'm sure you guys are too. And I don't know how it ends with either like if Arizona goes on a national championship run this season, then everybody's like, hey, cool, whatever. Go coach. You know, they never got to do that. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I am tired of the slow drip or the every few months there's some story that comes out. It's exhausting. Yeah. But if we've made it this far with it and Miller's lasted this long, I don't I don't see this documentary being the thing that changes the dynamic around the program, right? Like, not to say that Miller's job was 100% secure or anything like that or, you know, whatever, but I don't see this coming out. I'm looking forward to watching it. For sure. Being the thing I'll, that I'll have my popcorn ready for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have your, pop, have your popcorn in a stiff drink. <laughs> ready. Yeah. It's going to be jarring though, to hear that stuff, That that's all it's going to be. For I mean, me. it shouldn't be, you know, <laughs> but like to hear Shemler on tape in any setting, like in a documentary, you never want to hear your coach in a documentary. That's about something that was, you know, a court case and, Probably against the rules, but if he's not on tape saying anything wrong, he's not. He doesn't text messages like Will Wade does, right? He doesn't have the Bill Self issues. Well, that, so but how, like, but how come Bill Self it? isn't more of a focus of these things? Right, it's a good question. So, you know, a lot of people talk about yeah, Bill Self and, and the relationship. You know, I'm a K State alum as well as a U of A alum, and I know there's a lot of people in Manhattan that can't stand that guy and hate his guts and don't understand why he's not in prison as well. So. You know. I know. I guess. I guess Bill Self didn't get announced on national TV that he was fired incorrectly. Oh sure, the way you know, the, the the way the entire thing was handled was piss poor at best. Not to, for not sure. To be, yeah, not to be cynical. I have a buddy who's pretty knowledgeable of college sports and cares a lot. And well, but it's you know he he has no love for the way college sports you know run. But we would ha- have kind of shooting the the breeze conversations where the cynic is that. Arizona's just big enough of a program to like target, but not challenge the moneyed interests. And like, it's a very cynical take, but I think there's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a crazy take. Sure. Sure. Well, let's move on to something a little bit light, more lighthearted uh, as we end this, you know, this first uh, live stream. Uh, I have, I do have to apologize. Uh, we have had to jump to a different stream link because our system crashed. So right mid, no, that was that was actually oh, Brett, mid mid FBI uh, montage. Uh, oh. We had we had to drop it. So for the podcast audience, we'll listen. Okay, we'll be good to go. Um, but this is the nine year anniversary of D Will uh, smashing Duke, which we all love. Uh, what was your favorite highlight? in that duke game because i don't think mine's the same as everybody else's right you want to go first sure i will go with the non-obvious answer um and i will go with it was late it was late in the game when the game like it was pretty much already decided but there was a jamel horn offensive rebound he took the ball and like, pivoted, and then the defender just like. Apparently, we all th- all three of us had the same uh, the highlight. I was gonna say, how do you t- like he just the defender just lost his mind, and then Jamel Horn just went and dunked on those guys. Uh, that's just, Kyle Singler getting uh-huh. roasted, oh, roasted yeah. at the rim. That Could was have happened like, to a better guy. It was just like 
the like collective personification of all anti Duke fans, like literally watching somebody reach in and pull a soul out of Duke <laughs> with a with one play and just destroying them. And it was just very satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I stole your answer. No, a- I, Adam, yeah, I, part two, point, I guess. Like, I forget what Arizona was up at the time. I think they were up double digits, maybe 13, 14 at that point. There was like eight minutes left in the second half. And like, I remember Arizona was, I think Arizona was down at halftime, right? Yeah. By like five. And then it became just that the second half was amazing. And you had the Derek Williams dunk when he basically jumped from the free throw line with like the, the seat parted for him because – some people are smarter than Kyle Singler, apparently. They get out of the way. But the Horn one was like, Derek Williams was having a monster game. You're like, this guy's really good. When Horn did it, like, never mind. Like, Jamil Horn was almost like Dylan Smith before there was Dylan Smith. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. So to, yes. see, to see Horn the senior, he always had the athleticism. So to see him get an offensive rebound and just turn and just do that, it was almost like the, yep, this game's over. It was like four years of frustration on his end, just unleashed yeah. on that one moment. Uh-huh. So just like it's one thing. I mean, Derek Williams was great, and he had a lot of great moments in that game. I mean, I remember he kept them in it in the first half. I think he made a three at the buzzer just to keep him within some distance. But I, I, I think that the Jamel Horn dunk was the most satisfying of them all. And right. that is, yeah, it was Jamel Horn, and that was the sign to me that Arizona was in control of that game, and they were going through it. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the great thing about the Jamel Horn play was is that you still had that feeling like, oh, Duke might make a run, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that kind of like, no, nope, that, 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 that was it. My favorite part of that game, actually, besides that one, now I had to detour and go left, <laughs> uh, was actually, it, it was kind of like a fast break or whatever. And Momo Jones, a little in and out move and pulled up at the, at the free throw line and hit a shot. And Duke had to call a timeout because that was like the end of like a 9-0 run. And the way Momo was feeling, and, and it, if we remember that team, it wasn't Derek Williams that really carried that team emotionally. It was Momo Jones. As Momo Jones was feeling it, everybody else fed off of that as well. And he was kind of like that, you know, he was the, I don't know, the, the, the bravado of that team. You know, it just, you love to see Momo. I, I was so sad to see him leave. Um, but the way Momo Jones really carried that team a little bit emotionally, that moment right there I felt like was like Derek Williams is carrying us this whole way. And Momo Jones just gave us the spark to just take it to a whole other level. So that that was my favorite part of that whole game, besides the Jamil Horn dunk. Didn't Derek Williams have like a thirty foot three at the end of the first half yeah. or something yeah. stupid? Yeah, I think like, so. Yeah, I remember that yeah. and just being like, "Well, this that he's having the Sam Decker before we knew about Sam Decker." Game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, even then, like, go, oh, sorry. Go, like, there are other games, moments in the tournament where it's like this was year two of Sean Miller. Yeah. Like, this was a team that wasn't supposed to be great. They were on a five-seed, so it was like it was a fun five-seed season. Like Not like this year's team or a couple of years. I mean, this is like, okay, they're a five-seed. That's fun. Let's see what happens. Yeah. They got Derek Williams. He's really good. And I know, like, even get there, the Memphis game oh, was close. The Texas game. Oh, the Texas game. And it's like, okay. Crazy. Yeah. But then you get number one Duke. and it, I mean, it's Duke. Who doesn't want to beat Duke? And the way Arizona bullied them in the second half of that basketball game, it and we thought it's like oh okay this is fun like it wasn't a pressure game for Arizona Arizona wasn't the higher seed that weren't that wasn't a team that was supposed to go to a final four it was just yeah you got a great player in Derek Williams see how far you can take it and then that second half was just complete bludgeoning of the Blue Devils and it was I don't know if there's ever been a more satisfying victory outside of like you know national championship you know that oh season. yeah I, I can't that, I can't uh, remember one can, can I just have to eight eight but it was just like it had everything you wanted just Arizona was back. For you know, after a few years being low, 
and it was Duke. And it wasn't a close win. It wasn't like, oh, you got lucky. No, no. There was nothing <laughs> lucky about that game. Yeah. They stopped them. Absolutely. <laughs> can, you know, I ask a, can I ask a quick sub-question on that team? Oh, yeah, go ahead. How much do you change your perception of Jamel Horn's career and Sean Miller? What is his current status if that three goes in at the end of the UConn game? Oh, it, I, I, said, I, said it, I said it instantly as soon as that happened. I when when there was a minute left to go, I was like, "MF and Jamel Horn's gonna find a way to have like this last second shot." I just had this feeling, and sure enough, it was like slow motion when I saw this thing playing out in front of my eyes. It was there. And I was too. like, "I was like, here it is. It this is your on. moment of redemption, redemption right here." And when he shot it, I mean, let's be honest, I it thought it good. was in. I it was looked like, really oh. good. And then, oh, so brutal. And and with Sean Miller, honestly. I, my perception of Sean Miller never changed until he started getting the DeAndre Aydens and Larry Markinens. And then I was like, okay, what are you going to do with this? That's when my perception t- changed. I was like, he can't, to me, he can't co- coach elite level athletes the way he needs to in order to get to where we want to go. And I don't know too many coaches that can outside of maybe the Krzyzewskis. Calipari. Uh, <laughs> Calipari, but even recently, Calipari's kind of fallen off as well. When's the last time Kentucky made a Final Four, you know? I think this is to Brett's point, though, too, is that if Arizona makes a Final Four, if Sean Miller sheds that best coach to not reach a Final Four type of status, exactly. the perception changes. You know, He's now safer. it's like, okay, well, he coached up those guys, and the, the pressure's lifted off of him to a degree. And who knows, that team might have won a national championship. I know UConn did that year. It wasn't a great UConn team that Arizona lost to. Like it's nothing to say that Arizona couldn't have won two more games after that. You know, it's they had more they had more it. NBA players on that team than Arizona did, though. Let's not forget that. UConn? Yeah. Well, I mean, more players that are in the NBA right now than, than you sure. at the yeah. time. <laughs> but I forget what UConn was ranked at where what seed they were, but I think but that's the idea with Sean Miller is that he had those years, like, and even with the Wisconsin losses, it was like he's still this great coach who just can't seem to crack the elite eight you know he just can't get through if he had done that before the pressure on him is lifted somewhat and even for the fan base having not been to the final four since 2001 when it's like when we had 2005 like these really close losses these really just painful ways to not reach there yeah it's a little bit easier on the fan base too so we're probably a little bit more relaxed going into the tournament now like oh god it's got to be a final four this year we haven't been in you know 20 years (laughs) you know it's like we're just like, oh, yeah, we were just there a few years ago, and that was great. You know, yeah. and Sean Moore got us there. So can't he do it again? Like, I think that's what Brett's saying, and I agree. But, of course, that was year two. How long? Like, that was, what, 2010, 2011? 2011. Like, 2011. Yeah, well, I guess that's – But it seems like the beginning of something great. And feels like that run was – It feels like 89 years ago. That could have – see, I guess, yeah. Ten, we, I think Adam and I talked about it where, like, that could have been Sean Miller's Lou Olson, Sean Elliott Final Four where it was, like, ahead yeah. of schedule because – People forget in the early '90s, Arizona like started the trend of high seed teams getting beat every year <laughs> until they until they won. You know, they lost to Santa Clara. They lost to like, like East Tennessee Bid- State. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, but the it, difference was they got they had they had some bad lows, but man, they had some great highs. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I would contend that those were in that era. Those upsets were much bigger upsets than in the current day parody where blue bloods are all playing freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Um, but but Lou Dolson had that one final four already, and that bought him a lot of goodwill. And yeah. you know, I think it, it's a different question, and maybe for next Another week's day, pod of for sure, if yeah. Sean Miller, and I think we talked about this, Adam, where it's like Sean Miller is a 
the best recruiter of five star talent and the best coach of four four star talent. And they three, three, bring, yeah. But I mean, it, like Arizona had some good talent with the one and dones in the McConnell years, right? Like Nick Johnson was a five star, wasn't he? You know, Nick Aaron Johnson Gordon was a five star. Yep. Ron Day was a five star, I assume. Like Larry Markkinen was an underrated guy. He should have been probably a four or a five star. You know, Stanley Johnson. Like it's the idea. It's it's not necessarily that he can't coach the high end talent. Just he hasn't necessarily had the right high end talent. But also, it's the nature of college basketball, right? But if he had had that Final Four, if they had beaten Wisconsin once, one of those two times, then the narrative around Sean Miller is exponentially different. That doesn't make him a better coach. So that's that's the funny thing about it. We're saying if Jamel Horn's three goes in, like it looked like it was going to. Now all of a sudden, Sean Miller's a good coach, right? Well, or how four? Or Sam Decker doesn't go nuts, or Brandon Ashley doesn't break his foot. These are all things that happen, and every coach goes through those things. Every program has those tough losses, those tough breaks. But Arizona packed a lot of them in to like a real tight window. It seemed like, especially once Sean. I mean, really, if you think back to the Illinois game, like from that point on, like Arizona, there's no easy loss in March in the tournament. But Arizona's had some incredibly heartbreaking ones, and they're not. The last couple of seasons, I guess it, the Xavier loss was kind of, but that one they just blew. But prior to that, their tournament losses were just like, oh god, just on Brett's birthday, just those gut punches. Yeah, so, sure. thanks, you know, Tom. Narrative different. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't change the history, but the narrative certainly would have changed if Arizona makes a Final Four. Even with, I mean, either one of those Wisconsin years, they could have won a national championship, especially the first one. Yeah, you know, if they if Tom was a national championship coach after what year five with the program, I think. Then people are looking at him a lot differently. For sure. That's all. Well, and it's another fun, maybe enough for another day. If any one of Brandon Ashley, Ray Smith, or Brandon Williams, Brandon Williams injuries don't happen, what what's the the shift in the program's direction? For sure, for sure. Well, yeah. hey guys, I think that's a great place to leave off. You know, let's leave on a high note, so to speak, kind of. Maybe <laughs> like the men's team are going to leave on. It was like, hey, great moment, but also what could have changed? <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but we hey, were the start yeah, this is uh, hopefully this is the start of a new trend, and uh, we'll we'll be able to see how this does uh, for us. And uh, thanks for joining me, guys. I don't even. It's not the Saul Bookman Show podcast. It's not the you know. It's not the the Wildcat Hoops podcast, or I don't even know what you guys call your show. We're just Wildcat Radio 2.0. That's it. That's it. Just, just, you're just carrying the brand, man. You're just carrying the. That's I'm just doing, in the man. back, just trying to you know. Hey, hey. By the way, you know, like so. I, I appreciate you guys joining us. Maybe we'll come up with a, a different name for the show or something. Hey, like that. Wildcat Radio 3.0 when it's the three of us. When it's the three of us. There you go. Wildcat Radio 3.0. I don't think Bryant Conger is going to like that so much, ah. but uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. So uh, next week, we'll, we'll try and come back and do something this fun again. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week.